Are you struggling to make a podcast? You don't have the content? Well, let me help you. This is THD Country Nerd 252. What I did, I was in the same position, just struggling, didn't know where to go. So I found about the Anchor app. The Anchor app was simple. Download it from the iTunes app or Google Play. That way, our Anchor it allows you to create content, record the podcast, and it easily help you distribute to every podcast platform. Take it from me, easy content. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to D Country Nerd 252 Podcast. Now today we're going to talk about the Mount Rushmore of wrestling. Now I did a Mount Rushmore of athletes a few episodes ago. Go check it out. But today I'm going to stick specifically to wrestlers. Now, is wrestling scripted? Yes. Are the matches predetermined? Yes. But those guys and ladies are hella athletic. I can't imagine LeBron James doing a swan time up a 50-foot ladder. He can't do that. Or Kareem going toe-to-toe with The Undertaker. Just not going to happen. But anyway, let's get into it. Number one, I got the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. 60-time champion. He had swag. The leader of the Four Horsemen. I mean, you walk in there, people think he's some billion-dollar playboy. Like, what? You? But he was a strategic technician. It's like when he was in the wrestling ring, he would try to figure you out. Then he let you get your punches in, see what you got. Then he had a counter for everyone. And then when you get caught slipping, you get that figure four, it's a wrap. Now he put a lot of people. Arn Anderson, Ricky the Dragon. A lot of people on the map. I mean, yeah, in WCW, he had his moments. I think it was probably maybe his worst years. I don't think he was really that good in WCW. When he got to WWE and he wound up with Triple H, he took off. And he did that for a long time. And I give him credit. It's because of him, people like Sting is still wrestling. Even though Sting, at his age, he picks his spots. When he decides to wrestle. So he paved the way for guys like that. Even though Sting is in his era. Number two. I got the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels. Now. Have you ever guys ever heard of Pro Wrestling Illustrated? It's a very reputable company right? They do all the analytics. They look at every match. And they determine matches of the year. Wrestler of the year. The top 50. All that I will go check them out because I watched them and check them out religiously. And did you know Shawn Michaels has 11 matches of the year? I mean, you look at Shawn Michaels, he's some you see him, some skinny dude with long hair, like an average pretty boy. Well, boy, that dude can wrestle, he can be he can high fly with you, he can be technician with you. You put a submission on him, he'll put a submission on you too. And it's like, when I think about the few he had with Bret Hart, you know, Bret Hart was very technical, period. And he, had, and he had a little power to him. Everything that Bret Hart hated about wrestling, that's what he hated about Shawn Michaels. He knows Shawn Michaels can wrestle for anybody for over an hour, get somebody to business in a heartbeat. Everything Bret Hart hated about wrestling, he saw in Shawn Michaels. 
That's why in probably the greatest wrestling match in history, Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels in that Iron Man one hour match, where it took overtime when Shawn Michaels hit that one sweet chin music and it was over. Because that's the one move in wrestling that once you get it, it's over. You rarely kick out of it. And you can kick out of a pedigree. You can kick out of a tombstone. A RKO. A F5. Superman Punch. Roman Reigns Spear. A Rock Bottom. A Stone Cold Stunner. But it's like when you get hit with that sweet chin music. You in the sixth plane of the dynasty. You in a whole nother galaxy. You in the upper room. And number three, I'll say Kurt Angle. Now, Kurt Angle, an Olympic gold medalist. He wrestled during the Olympics, won some gold medals, was a wrestler in school. He won a gold medal with Frankie Nick against somebody twice his size. Then he walks into the industry, and they knew he was the best wrestler on the planet. I understand, he was still in that era of Stone Cold Rock, Triple H. The Undertaker, Kane, Jericho, Benoit, Eddie Guerrero. But if there's anybody who can match all of them and who could put on a great match, it was Kurt Angle. I mean, had the feud he had with Brock Lesnar. That's one of the greatest feuds in WWE history. Every match they put on was a classic. They couldn't they didn't sell short on nothing. And it's like, I don't think people sometimes appreciate him enough. Because the fact that this dude, before every match, was doing perk, doing Oxycontin and all that before every match, and he still put on the show and nobody knew that until he admitted it. Then he went to TNA and proved that WWE should have never let him go. And he put TNA to a whole nother level. Because he put Samoa Joe on a bigger level. AJ Styles. I mean, he did a lot of good with TNA. And yeah, Hogan and Bischoff ruined it. And Dixie Carter to some degree. And the feud with Jeff Jarrett really looked bad. Even though that's probably the most uncomfortable feud I've ever seen. Because Kurt Angle, excuse me, Jeff Jarrett is married to Kurt Angle's ex-wife. And it's like, that's the most uncomfortable thing ever. And Jeff Jarrett is your boss. So it's like, I got to go to work and listen to this dude who's fucking my ex-wife. And he literally throws it in my face. And I have to show so much restraint without choking him during the meeting. I admit it, as humble as I am, I couldn't do that. I'm sorry, I couldn't do that. But those moonsaults he did off the cage... I mean, he literally wasn't even a high flyer, but he did stuff like that. I mean, King of the Ring, he put Shane McMahon through that glass with the belly to belly. Then Shane McMahon's about to do a move, and Kurt Angle did that Olympic slam off the top rope. I mean, Jesus. He was a classic, man. And I'm glad he was in the WWE Hall of Fame. I didn't like the way his career ended. I think it was Baron Corbin at WrestleMania. I thought that was cheap and disrespectful to him. But it seems like he's got over it and he's very secure in his life right now. Oh, yeah, listen to the Kurt Angle show. It's pretty good.
And number four, I admit it, I was struggling. There were so many people. It was hard. I mean, I had Triple H, The Undertaker, AJ Styles, Jericho, Daniel Bryan, Kenny Omega, Kuzina Ochata. Now, if I pronounce his name, my apologies, but if you know, you know. But I had to go with Chris Jericho. I mean, this dude, he was a master in Japan, master at ECW. He was already a top three wrestler in WCW. I mean, yeah, Hogan, the whole NWO, Goldberg, Rick Flair was getting all the uh, love, but at straight wrestling in WCW, the best wrestlers was Eddie Guerrero, Chris Jericho, and Benoit. And you could throw Rey Mysterio in there. I'll say four. And then he goes to WWF, now WWE. Fused with The Rock. Who has some of the best promo skills ever. And of course, Chris Jericho had the best promo skills on WCW. And it's not even close. Then I remember he beat Triple H for the title. And then he reneged it. And he had a nice good feud with Triple H. It just seemed like, yeah, they had some personal beef between each other, but it seemed like every time they got to the ring, you knew it was going to be a classic. Because I just feel like in wrestling, if the beef is real, that makes the, that makes the matches even better. Or if there's a, I won't say a really bad beef, but if it's hateful competition or respectful competition, it's going to be a great match. And that's what he did. Now I'm glad he never went to TNA. Because I know they would have used him up. And just threw him out to the wolves like they do every else WWE wrestler they steal. I mean hell, they stole Christian Cage. And he was gone after three years because he, he was just tired. And he went back to WWE had a nice run and then he became a very highly successful musician in 2005 with Fozzie he became a, he became an author so he established himself well after his career then he came back because he felt like his career wasn't over he had something left to prove so he came back feud with John Cena the CM Punks of the world he even put Fandango over. I couldn't stand Fandango, by the way. But then I see what he's doing with AEW. When AEW first started, he's one of the mainstream, so they got him. It was smart to put him as the world champion because he was the most known. I mean, nobody really knew about the Young Bucks. Instead of mostly like the indie wrestlers, sound like the indie companies. Indie wrestlers, they didn't know the Young Bucks were. I mean, Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega was a star in Japan. So then they started getting Dean Ambrose and John Moxley now, and they needed a star like Chris Jericho to put them over. And the fact what he did with the inner circle, and now what he's doing for the Jericho Appreciation Society, 
and he still got enough in the tank where he give you a good 10-15 minute match. I mean, yeah, he has to do his signature moves because he lost a little of his step, but he still can put on a, a good match. And plus, he has the best theme in wrestling, and the fact that he sings it and the whole crowd is into it and they sing it too, lets you know that's some absolute like goat level stuff. So that was my Mount Rushmore wrestling. Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels, Kurt Angle, and Chris Jericho. Now, I'd like to thank you guys for listening to this episode. If you agree or disagree with me, hit me up on my Twitter. Hit me up on my Snapchat. You know what to do. I'd like to thank you guys for listening. Never let society dictate how you should think or feel. I am out.